Okay. Ah, oh, crap. <sighs> Something important? Five, no, four, nothing important. Three, two, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a load. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> you want to give it a countdown? Um, I, I suppose I could. Five, four, three, two, one. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rupert, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a plenty from Poland, but none from Sudan. or from Fiji or Uzbekistan. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Live from the Arapex Stamp Show, this is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today, episode number 161. I'm Kaz. I had a dream that I was a postage stamp. A prostitute that works at the corner of 54th and 3rd in Manhattan bought me. She drew a rabbit on the back of a matchbook cover for one of those art competitions. She put the matchbook in an envelope, then licked me and put me in the corner. She won and became a famous artist. You're welcome. I'm Scott. And Cash, do you know why... When you see a flock of geese and one leg, one side is longer than the other, why that is? Why is that, Scott? Well, it's because there's more geese. (laughs) No, he did that to his own joke. (laughs) (laughs) This is Tom, and I'm not appearing in this episode. And I'm your stamp, Mr. Stone, and we just got back from Arapex, so move up close to the fireplace and listen to the story of a stamp show far in the far-off land of I Screwed Up. <laughs> <laughs> and listen to the story of a stamp show in the far-off land of Arizona. Oh, no, what just happened? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, my screen just went to black. That's not good. We can still hear you fine. You guys there? Yeah. I can, we can hear you. Oh, okay. Yeah. My computer decided it said, no, I didn't like it. I think it was, I think it was your joke, Cash. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank goodness it wasn't mine. Even oh. computers are turned off by Cash's joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave this in. <laughs> I know you are. I screen, you screen. We can't read it on screen. 
We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Really? First, a shout out to Paul from Idaho. Second shout out is to the laundry exhibit, which won the PSC It's Not Just Stamps Award. Yeah, that was a pretty cool exhibit. It was all about washing machines from the 1800s. And it was all covers with advertising, and uh, all it was fantastic. I, I, you know, the laundry soaps and all that stuff. The yeah. little hand done laundry machines. Uh, it was it was a fantastic exhibit. So, did you meet Paul from Idaho? We met Paul from Idaho. Yes. From being his middle name. Ah. <laughs> well, I must I must have been away from the table at that time. Uh, yes. So what did everybody get at the stamp show? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I got some Britain Star Wars stamps. Really? <gasps> I did. Oh. New issue dealer Dwayne was there, and I got Star Wars stamps. I didn't get full sheets of some of it, but I did get two, two sheets, a couple of booklets. I got the prestige booklets from mm-hmm. both uh, last year and the year before. So I doubled up on that one. How much did you pay for the prestige booklets? Um, I guess it was twice, twice face or something like so that. So like thirty-five bucks. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Yep. And then of course you know everybody gets a discount. Yeah. But, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, is uh, I got that, and then let's see, I got uh, oh, I got a. Uh, strip of four admission tickets to the Louisiana Purchase Exposition. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. And I got a ticket for the World's Columbian Exposition specifically for Chicago Day. No. They had special days for certain things. Chicago Day and New York Day were two of the few that they had special tickets for. Cool. Would you get done? Well, thanks to Marina, I got some dragons because when she was out on the floor, she see a dragon. She's like, Don, get over here. <laughs> Which was awesome. And uh, of course, Marcel, who I buy a lot of my stuff from, was there. And of course, I bought stuff there. Shout out to Marcel. Yeah, got some uh, Year of the Dog um, stuff. Not a dragon. So, yeah, pretty good haul. Yeah. I got a large. What about you? I got a large binder full of uh, U.S. number 11s on cover. A lot, uh, like half of them. Well, not half, but about a third of them were on folded letters. So I'm going to read all the letters and see what's going on. I especially am looking for like business letters, and I saw one really good one in there. So that was, you know, it was expensive, and one cover like made the difference and said, "I got to get it for just that one cover." Ah, yeah. At Arapex, we had the opportunity to speak to some interesting people. Have a listen. Stamp show here today. Stamp show here today. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. So I'm here with Larry. Why don't you introduce yourself? Um, I'm Larry Haber from Stamford, Connecticut. And what are you exhibiting? I've got two exhibits here, but the exhibit we're looking at right now is uh, entitled America in 1909, an exploration of a year that was. Okay. 
Okay, so Larry, what, what item here? What items here do you think are the most interesting? Well, the one that you picked out is um, where 1909. 1909 is the year in which the United States issued three commemoratives. Never before had we issued three commemoratives in a single year. The first one that was up was the Lincoln Memorial in commemoration of the centennial of Lincoln's birth. That was the only commemorative for that year that the post office department actually wanted to enthusiastically issue, but that's another story altogether. (laughs) In any event, the president of the United States at that time was Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt. He was actually, at that time, he was He was in the interim period because the election had already taken place. They had elected William Howard Taft. He wasn't going to take office until March. The whole issue about bringing out a Lincoln stamp arose towards the latter part of 1908. And in 1909, we have an actual copy of the telegram that Teddy Roosevelt sent to the widow of of a sculptor by the name of Augustus St. Gordon's. St. Gordon's, for the numismatics who listen to you, is very famous because he's the sculptor who sculpted probably the most beautiful American coin, the double eagle. He also did the single eagle. And he and Roosevelt were collaborating towards replacing all of American coinage. Unfortunately, St. Gordon's died before he could fulfill that that goal. Roosevelt, being a big admirer of St. Gordon's work, wanted to use an image of Lincoln that St. Gordon's had done in a statue that is off in Chicago in Grant Park. And the telegram to the widow on Saturday, January 2nd, was asking permission to use that profile from that statue. Mrs. St. Gordon's gets the telegram, responds the very same day, Saturday evening, January 2nd, acknowledging receipt of the telegram and granting permission for for the post office department to use that image, and she's obviously very delighted about that opportunity. The letter itself I've got in my exhibit, it's a mourning letter, it's surrounded by a black border typically used in the year following the death of a beloved one. And this was not within the year, or...? Well, since she wrote the letter in January 2nd, 1909, it's within my year. Oh, okay. So that's the criteria. It would be a faux pas if it was... uh... Oh, no, I can't include it as much as I would (laughs) like to. I've limited myself only to items from 1909, so there are things from 1908, 1910, 1911 that, you know, are really lovely, but I foolishly have limited myself to 1909. Why? Because it's my exhibit and I'm going to do what I want to do. That's a good reason. (laughs) Well, I really like this item. I I thought it was cool. I'm going to put a picture of it up on Facebook. Everybody will be able to see it. It's it's a copy of the telegram, but it's not a copy like a photocopy. It's like the carbon copy or the third copy or the file copy or whatever like that. This is the actual file copy that was used by the telegraphist and it's the copy it's a carbon copy type that was actually filed in the records of the treasury department of the united right. states so it's the real article and the letter from uh, mrs st gordon's to the president is the real letter 
And uh, St. Gaudens also had a uh, famous American stamp issued for him. He's one of the uh, famous Americans. Oh, He's an artist. That's right, yes. Yes, so. <clears throat> and Those people who want the topic, uh, there's another aspect of it. Yes, and for those people who have ever been to New York, you might know the Plaza Hotel. Across from the Plaza Hotel is the Grand Army Plaza. In the center of that plaza is a statue that St. Gordon sculpted in gold of General William Tecumseh Sherman. So that's also how we know him. Cool. So what else do you have? Well, I've got lots of goodies that all the, the, you know, the stamp people sort of like, you know, like first day covers and pre-dates and earliest known uses. But the one item that I actually like the best, oh, here we have some faked first day covers. Oh, <laughs> okay. But basically speaking, they're uh, Lincoln and Perfs um, oh, yeah. that were out of Canton, Ohio. There was no reason for such imperfs to be in Canton at the time of February 27, February 12th, which is the issue date of the stamp. Um, clearly, what a philatelist did was he prepared the item, he brought it to a cooperative um, mm -hmm. postmaster who ran it through the machine. This is the this is a simple item. It's not worth a lot of money, but I think it's actually very special, and it's what it's all about. It's a postal card mm -hmm. with William McKinley on. It's sent special delivery. So you send a postcard special delivery, and the back of it reads, Please send spray of light pink carnations, $1.25, towards, and it gives an address. And that's, to my mind, is what it's all about. Uh. A young man smitten with love, wanted to get a set of flowers off to his girlfriend, and in the days before the internet, how do you do it? You send a postcard, special delivery. It almost certainly got to the recipient, to the, to, to the florist the same day, maybe the next morning, and the carnations got set off. Is it an expensive item? No. Is it rare? No. But it's what actually, I think, postal history is all about how people use the mail. We are all about the backstory. Yeah. Excellent. So what uh, award did you get? I got a um, large for May. Congratulations. Okay. <laughs> Stamp show here today. Stamp show here today. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. <laughs> Everything dies. Planets die, stars die, everything, the time we may not know, but everything gets destroyed sooner or later. That is true. That's a fact that you can't dispute. Correct. So when you tell me in expertizing it has to be exact, you got to use a little bit of logic. Yes. If you don't use logic, you're a fool. Let me just write this. Until they invent a time machine that can go back and actually No, even then, them. even then you can't tell for certain <laughs> that it wasn't played with. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Uh, okay, now let's start. <clears throat> okay, so I'm here with Stanley. Everybody should know Stanley from past podcasts, but why don't you go ahead and tell everybody who you are again? Uh, I am Stanley Piller. I am a professional stamp dealer. 
I have been one for at least 50 years. I've also collected and I put together one of the finest uh, exhibits ever shown, the three cent 1851-57 exhibit that I had. That won uh, internationally large gold medals and a couple of uh, national grand awards. And how about just shows. a whole bunch of other stuff that just And I do all sorts of things. I wrote a book like, on the yeah, New York exactly. Postmasters Provisionals. You are, if not one of the top 10 dealers, collectors inside of the country. Thank you for the compliment. I was being uh, actually kind of insulting there, saying uh, the top ten. I should have put you higher up. That's <laughs> okay. I'm not, I don't do this for the record. So, Stanley, you found something that is a new discovery. This is something that is going in for certification. Right now it's making its way through. People on Facebook, you can pull it up. These are some fascinating covers. Why don't you tell them about them? All right. Uh, a number of years ago, I bought a collection, and these two covers were in it. And it's taken me a while to fully understand what they were and why they are what they are. They were two covers mailed from Marshall, Texas, one in June and one in November. So they were mailed almost six months apart, one was five, six months apart depending upon the year of use. One of them has a dated year, but it's difficult to tell. It's either 61 or 62. One is dated June 1st, and the other is dated November 24th. The town councils for Marshall are two distinct different towns. One is a CDS, big CDS that says Marshall, Texas, and June 1st. And the other is a double circle cancel that says Marshall, Texas, November 24th, and probably 1861. And why are those two. dates important? Because this is when the Confederacy first issued their stamps. Yep, so we're Especially talking. Especially June 1st was the beginning of the, of the post office of the Confederacy. So we're talking right when the Civil War started. Correct. You look at the three covers, they're both star die and tires. Uh, the one, both of them, when you look at them together, they have a paid marked in approximately the same place, tens marked in the same place, and then on top of the indice, each one was, in my opinion, pre-canceled or overprinted with a 10. That's how I believe the covers left the post office and then they were mailed. One was mailed June 1st, one was mailed November 24th. Different times, different CDSs, but the clerk took the time to cancel the overprinted 10 and the uh, entire stamp. So the important thing about him is not that it's just like a 10 cent cover, it's that it's a 10 cent cover. That, that was the, revalued. Right, so they took it away from the U.S. Post Office and put it into the Texas Post That's Office. That's correct. Now your question may ask, 
if they overprinted this things, why would they cancel it? This is how Marshall canceled stamps before the, the Confederacy and after. They used the grids that are canceling these stamps to cancel stamps. If it had the 10 on there and it was done as a cancel, why would they have to then cancel it with the cancel? It seems, doesn't logically make sense. It's pretty clear that it's a provisional usage. Use. When, you, when you compare the two envelopes, one on top of the other, and just look at the paids, the tens, and the ten, to me, it looks like somebody hit paid, 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 and somebody hit the 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 on a bunch of envelopes, and we don't know exactly it, where yeah. they were, but obviously they were done. It's on, definitely mass production. Right. However, when you look at the two different cancels and the strength of the grids, those were done later. Mm -hmm. So to me, these were provisional envelopes prepared, given back, and then used. If the first one, June 1st, happens to be 1861, it was probably done the same day it was prepared and used. If it's 1862, it still could have been used. And the November one obviously was done much later, right. but it still follows suit that the way they canceled it, but you can obviously see that a different clerk canceled the, the, the stamps mm -hmm. when they were mailed. So, Why was that done that way and the others done yep. that way? Stamp show here today. Stamp show here today. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. The third museum. They say they bought a real nice doll downtown Scottsdale. You know, that's the trap for tourism people. And they take pictures. They're all proud of their Kachina doll. And then when they bring it to the herd and tell me what they bought, I said, well, what did you get? And they show me the picture. And they said, this is a... Well, I said, well, what is it? They said, this is an eagle man. I said, there's no such thing as an eagle man or an owl god or, you know, I don't know what you bought. I said, I'm... So I said, in order to collect these Katsina dolls, I said, I always encourage people to, to study them, mm -hmm. to do research on them, figure out what they are, who makes them, why do they make them, stuff like that, you know, because it's just the same like stamps. If you're going to start collecting stamps, you got to find out the history about them, where they came from, how they got here, who used them. Yep. That's what's interesting, because I thought, stamps, how boring. <laughs> well, you know, when, when, um, <clears throat> when Mike started showing me around mm -hmm. and he said you know this stamp came from here then it was handed down to and I say oh my god I didn't realize how how much history one little stamp had you know from like getting on a ship and then they took it across to wherever then Pony Express picked it up took it to that's what got my interest great well why don't you introduce yourself okay then when you're ready we're recording right oh, now <laughs> yes. my name is Buddy Tavang Waitua I'm from Seca Mesa. I'm a member of the Hopi tribe. The clan that I'm a member of is the Sun Forehead. In uh, our language, we call it Kalwungwa. But I, I started carving roughly when I was around the age of eight. And I've been carving ever since then. And I was out at a, a 
a Native American show out in Litchfield at the Wigwam Resort, where I ran into my good friend Michael and Kevin, and they promote the show, the stamp, the stamp show. So what they did is they bought a, uh, a couple pieces of my carvings, and what they do is they raffle it throughout the show, and then at the end of the show, then the the grand finale, whoever won the prize, then I present them with the with the carving. But the the carvings that I do are all made out of the dead root of the cottonwood tree, and and the major tools that I use are just knives, exacto knives, files, sandpaper, just your basic. Yep. But, and you mentioned this before, it has to be cottonwood. Yes, mandatory that the the casino don't be carved out of the cottonwood root. The the Hopi people have been using this wood for since the beginning of time. My my grandfather carved from it. My great grandfather carved from it. My dad, and I'm the youngest of four brothers, and I'm they all carved. So then I I picked it up. I just I just seen them doing it. So I thought that's what I was gonna do. So that's what I've been doing ever since. But as, as times went along, I started experimenting in other other woods. Like I go to different wood carving shows and buy sample woods like butternut, um, mahogany, oak, just different things that I could experiment with. But in order to have the katsina, the authentic ones, you have to go back to the, the cottonwood root. And when you go look for your root, you have to make sure you pick only the dry roots. They say if you pick the roots while it's still green, that's that's like a sign of being greedy. And when you try to dry the wood without Mother Nature drying it, it splits, it cracks, and most of the time you can't use it because the the splits on it are, are too too bad, and you can't fill it with um, wood putty or whatnot. It'll always leave a big big uh, line in the wood <clears throat> in the carving. So what does? So the Kachina doll has an incredibly different look from anything else. Why? What created the design of it? Why do they look this way? Well, each each Kachina doll has its. Well, well, first off, the the Kachina dolls, the, the Kachinas themselves, are messengers from the physical world to the spiritual world, and as you grow. They teach you about these katsinas. Uh, some of them, some of the katsinas go back so far that they no longer exist, or when there was a certain event that took place, they created a katsina for that particular event. But nowadays, they have the katsinas that are given to the children as as gifts and teaching tools. But every time they get a diff, every time they get a carving, a katsina doll, it's different. For instance, if they carve a, an eagle katsina, that represents the eagle and it'll be carved a certain way look a certain way <clears throat> and there's also the disciplinary katsinas a lot of people are are misinformed that they hurt the children that they harm the children but the they they look they look fierce they look mean and that's more or less to scare them straight they don't actually hurt the children they just have that appearance of if you don't straighten up quit talking back to your mom dad whatever this individual will come looking for you so a lot of times it works for a while <laughs> sometimes it don't but each each carving though does represent something and 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 when you and when the girls get the carvings the parents will more or less sit down with them and explain to them what what each casino represents why it comes to us when it comes to us 
But beings were the Hopi people that live out in the desert. 99.9% of all the katinas revolve around moisture. We pray for moisture because we're desert farmers. But as, as times have gone on, a lot of carvers started doing a, a thing called sculptures. So when, when you get the wood, you look at the wood and you can see different different things in it. So you can either create a theme of your own or just carve with what you see in the wood. So that's where I kind of branched off and started creating my own sculptures. But again, they also, you can't just make up anything. You know, you still have carve within reason of what what the, tradition. the, the whole traditions are, yes. Excellent. So if people want to get in touch with you to learn more or to see what you have, how can they get in touch with you? The name of the my company is called Hopi Carvings and Paintings. A lot of the people that do want to get in touch with me can either go on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, my mailing email address is Tavangwaitiwa T-U-B-I-N-A-G-H-T-E-W-A at gmail.com Hold on, hold on, hold on. Say that one again. What, what is that also? Tavangwaitiwa is my last name, so that's the address that I use as my email. <laughs> Not making fun because I have a bad <laughs> last name also, but that is an original one that I had not heard of before. Very good. Thank you very much. Anybody who's interested, please uh, give him an email. And he really, truly does ha have some great stuff. Uh, go online, look at it. You will be impressed. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show here today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Worst episode ever. Oh, not even close. <laughs>